Today is all about AI. So therefore this week I'm publishing a deep dive within AI with several of my previous guests combined when we are talking about AI. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Bastian Kavik. If you combine like data applications and AI, that is a really powerful thing. And I don't think that many people recognize this enough. Uh, and I wanted to spend a little time on, on, on giving you um, a few thoughts around this uh, narrative. So um, most companies these days are trying to find their business uh, with very old fashioned ways. They are still doing, let's call it list building or um, manual outreach in, in, a, in a way that is very, um, very broad and blunt. Uh, and given that data is so readily available on the internet these days, um, people should look much more, uh, and, and business leaders, frankly, should look much more into what they can make of publicly available information about their customers and markets. And uh, one great thing where you can see this is if you have played with it, that chatbot, the AI tag, and you can basically ask uh, that tool everything and get a very interesting response that is compiled from public knowledge. And, and this shows you how the combination of data that is publicly available plus AI that can derive meaning from that data um, can be a very powerful tool in your in your basket. And I think specifically talking about sales and marketing in like three to five years, I, th I think leaders will uh, find out that it is much easier to have these AI companions in your belt and, and use them um, to do better outreach, uh, to craft better messaging, to get better targeting in terms of your ICP. And also, and this is what we are trying to build with our, our new platform, is to get a feedback loop in. So AI is very powerful in itself, but as you might know, like all AI is trained upon data and, and this training happens in terms of iterations. So you, you like first build a model and then the model in the beginning is very bad. And then you feed them, uh, feed the model basically uh, training data and say, hey, this is the intended outcome. And if you think about like sales and marketing, you can just say, okay, let's look at the customers, for example, that we have booked a demo with or that have bought our product or that have responded or clicked on our ads. And this is positive reinforcement, right? So with a web visitor intelligence technology like we have with Leadfeeder now, um, it is really possible to derive the the intent of the the visitor to your website and to feed that back into the model. And I think over time, and this is the vision we are working towards, these models and these platforms will evolve into something that is much more powerful and will serve the purpose of, of targeting your ideal customers much better than any person could do it manually. So I, I see a future where, where in many places, not only like electric uh, automatic cars, um, or, or other um, areas, but also in sales and marketing, um, this hybrid of AI and human interaction will become uh, the ruling model of the industry. And I'm very excited about that. And I could go on for an hour <laughs> talking about how we're trying to uh, tap into that. 
Now it's time for an external question from a listener. And today it's from Stina Wernersson. And this is her question. Hi, Bastian. What would you say is the biggest challenge with working with AI today? Yeah, thank you, Stina, for that question. Um, and it is a very valid one as we look, as we have discussed before, at all of these great new technologies uh, in AI tech that are very consumer friendly now. So everybody uh, now understands, uh, looking at DALI or Midjourney, that an AI generating images that us that are much more advanced than what a human could do in like a second or two is is a great thing. But then also chat GPT is very impressive because it not only can write like very uh, intelligible content, but also, for example, code. So we have to think about if like the, the knowledge working industry is actually totally disrupted by that tech. Uh, and the, the challenge with that is that two things, like one, one might overestimate what it actually can do because it's always, let's call it a remix. Like all of this is just like tapping into knowledge that is already out there and you have to make this knowledge accessible. And that's the, the second piece. So uh, in, in AI, you always say like <laughs> very bluntly, like shit in, shit out. So if you have bad training data, you cannot build models that are, that are doing a very good job. Um, so, the biggest challenge to answer your question would probably be uh, to come up with uh, very good training data and to curate that to your individual workflow or model that you want to build. Um, and there is great pre-trained models out there, like GPT is, is, is obviously one of them, but then you have to adapt that to your field because not everything will be solved by a generalized model. So in our case, for example, we have models that are capable of using specific company data types uh, to much better uh, create classifiers to, to, for example, determine the industry code or determine keywords that are um, valid for a certain company. And, and those are trained on very specific data sets. So if you want to build a startup in AI, um, I would actually build a, a startup focused on training data as and, and not on the technology itself. It's much like in the gold rush where you want to say shovel, sell shovels and pickaxes and not like uh, the actual uh, mines. <laughs> Hi, my name is Arash Saidi. I'm the CEO and founder of Kindly. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of lucky because everybody's talking about it at the moment, but AI and generative AI is something that I really, really have been very nerdy about. And uh, remember back when we were studying, AI was not uh, the hype that it is today, but uh, I always had a very deep interest in machine learning and neural networks and how they work both on like a mat mathematical level and technical level, but also like building an intuition of how these models work and thinking about the impact that they will have on work and business and culture and music and art and all of the things that we are doing as human beings. Why? <laughs> Why are, have you been so interested in this? I think it's because it, it, it's very connected to like, I'm not a religious person, not a very spiritual person. Uh, so, so for me, like being a human being is matter. We're atoms and molecules, etc. And it just makes sense to me intuitively that 
if we can have feelings or if feelings and consciousness and all this activity can arise from uh, the physical world, it's possible to create it as well. So I think that's like the interest is that it kind of rocks at the fundamental of who we are and what we are. Yeah, this is philosophical topics at the, at its core. It, it kind of seems like this business thing that everybody's jumping on because they want to make money, they want to create companies, etc. But in the longer perspective, this is something that's going to really challenge humanity and what it means to be human and how we interact with each other and how we create things and art and expression and everything that we do is going to be very profoundly impacted by this. It's super powerful, interesting, and also scary, if you ask some people. Yeah, to me, that is very strange. Like, I don't really, I'm not scared of it at all, because like any other technology, it's us humans that decide how we're going to use it. And these models are completely under our control. Uh, And it is collectively human the humans collectively that are going to decide which direction it goes this goes and now it's time for an external question from a listener not from ai and this is from caroline solskjær at nuverica hi arash my name is caroline solskjær and i'm the ceo and co-founder of nuverica I was wondering if you could share two concrete use cases of how a B2B SaaS company ASAP can get up to speed with AI in relevant ways. Kindly is definitely one of them, because no matter what you're doing, you can create a chatbot. And you can create a chatbot that is customer support, or that helps your sales team, or uh, that has an internal function that makes your teams more productive by connecting them to all of the relevant data sources that they need to make their jobs better. So that's one of the things that I would recommend any company looking into and talking with us. And number two, another concrete way? I think number two is uh, setting aside some time so that your product team or your business development team can look into this. Like we had Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a three-day hackathon that was just completely open. Anybody uh, could do whatever they wanted, but it was kind of it was connected to uh, generative AI, generative models. Like, what kind of things can we do with it? And I think that right now, so many things are happening, and things are happening at a really, really fast pace. So I think it's important to take a step back and try to give room and space uh, time like space and time to your employees so that they can think, experiment and develop something that is completely new. Maybe it doesn't won't have uh, a business case immediately, but in the long run, it will give your employees the tools and understanding they need to build the business cases of the future. Hi, my name is Maria Burjesson, CEO at Vispa Software. Today we have a guest appearance from Axel Setterman, team leader at Televox. And this is his question. Hi Maria, I saw that you had more than 20 years within financial services and IT. If you were to speculate, how do you think the sector will change the coming 20 years with AI and other technologies? 
Well, that's a very good question. I love it. Uh, I think it's huge possibilities here with both uh, chatbots and, and decisioning, uh, not least. So I think, I think uh, it will be even faster business. It is fast already today. And, and th- th- this is really the learning I've had that having the superpower software is key to success. Uh, so I think this will even be more fast in, in the future, that uh, adapting to, to new technologies and be able to offer that to the financial services sector w- will be uh, crucial. And that will, I think that will sort of sort out or, or um, clean up the market. So only the ones that are able to adapt the new technology will be on the market, uh, will be fast enough. And I hope that this also will clean up the business a bit to include more parameters about the the, the consumer because uh, today we see a bit of yeah decisioning which is not healthy for for the, the 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 consumer so i hope it also will bring some benefit to the business and clean it up a bit so chatbots uh, decisioning i mean do we even need people <laughs> That's an obvious question. And then you can work uh, more long-term uh, developing your business, a healthy business, to focus on that rather than the, the basic decisioning which, which people sit with over yeah all day long. And in the banking sector, uh, yeah, we are a bit, I would say we're a bit behind uh, when it comes to signing and finalize closing uh, financial deals in in. Uh, uh, mortgage loans, etc. So there I hope that we see a bit more speed. Hi, my name is uh, Thomas Ledefod. I'm CEO at Pixels. Can you please tell me what are the top two to three ways you work with AI in your business today? This is actually a uh, super interesting topic, uh, Joseph, especially these days with everything that's going on right now and all the stuff that's being thrown at us with, uh, you know, open AI, DALI, mid-journey or whatever. Um, but but the fact is that um, pixels operate in a pretty unique way in the sense that... Um, if you look at us historically, what we do is retouching of images. And that process of retouching of Im- an image, we do not do that the traditional way. We chop that process into up into like 150, 180 different steps. And then we basically put those steps together to do retouching to a certain standard that's required by the customer. And some of these steps... If you say we do, and we do around 40,000 images a day, and if we do one step twice... That then means that we generate 80,000 data sets on one specific step every single day. What we've then done over the last many years is we've started to automate these steps, both with I mean, different kinds of automation tools. Some of them are AI, but it's also algorithms, machine learning, etc. which means that 70% of our production of what we do is currently fully automated. So... For Pixels, uh, we've been on the AI journey for a long time and for many years in order to 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 actually work and, and have the the internal value chain that we have today. So Pixels is uh, yeah, we're we're also looking at a lot of those uh, AI tools, but Pixels is a little special in the sense that 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 using AI and using AI to AI tools to to run our operation. 
like like seriously critical parts of our operation has been at the core of pixels for the last uh, four, five, six years. So AI is is nothing new to us. It is uh, it is uh, it is a a default thing of our operation, and it is built into our whole system. One or two more ways. Where where do you see AI have a huge amount of impact at Pixels? Well, I see. Um, I would see pick AI is for us. It drives certain SLAs that are super important for our customers. Um, one is that AI uh, allows us to uh, to produce at a not only a high quality, but a consistent quality. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that AI allows us, because it is automation, is pure machine power, so it, allow, it allows us to, to have a super fast turnaround time of the work we do. And thirdly, you know, we, we can basically adjust uh, capacity, just turning up the volume on our ABS uh, which means that 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 um, that the deviations, fluctuations in volume, we we handle that uh, super easy. So so in that way, we 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 the, you know the the benefits of having a very heavy and intense use of AI gives us certain advantages um, to, towards the customer. So so AI is both used for optimization purposes internally, and it is used to uh, you know to 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 take away some of that very uh, not so interesting, very repetitive work. So it's, it, it, it plays into to numerous different aspects of our company. Hey, my name is Marit. I'm co-founder and CEO of Strice. So we have been working with AI for a long time. And actually yesterday I was looking through some like old blog posts that we had written and I actually saw one from the beginning of 2019 when GPT-2 came out and uh, we started implementing that. So that was actually quite a, a good walk down uh, down memory, memory lane. So I think we built like AI is not just an afterthought that we've started using now. It's like really embedded into the entire tech platform that we have, which is quite comprehensive because it requires quite a lot to build the type of product that uh, that we have built. So we're working on it in our own tech stack all across. Like recently, we've also, of course, started using um, uh, open AIs APIs for some features. And also we've gotten access to Google's Bard as well. Uh, so we have some features using that, like in the interface and so forth, mainly for summarizing different risk, uh, you know, different money laundering risks and so forth for the users, which is uh, really cool. And then internally, we also uh, tried it. Well, I guess everyone is using chat GPT these days and the different like image generations and all of that. And I think it's really cool to use these tools for inspiration in your like branding and positioning. So I'm really passionate about that. So I've been using it there too. And then using it a lot in our messaging and new positioning as well, because like AI is the new industrial revolution and especially in anti-money laundering and compliance work it will represent such a huge shift because you can move away from this cost center just adding new people every year every time there's new regulation and doing stuff manual to changing it to really do enhanced uh, like that humans can do 
enhanced work and turning it into more of a winning strategy. So I think that's an area in general where AI will have a huge impact. And also we have this like picture on the wall in our office. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's like these two people who are pushing a cart and it has uh, square wheels. And then someone stands by the road and is like, hey, like with circular wheels. And then they're saying, no, we don't have, we're so busy, we don't have time. So we're having this all around the office to just kind of remind everyone that like, even though you are busy doing something there, it might be worth taking a time to pause and just, you know, maybe there is a smarter way to do this now. And then also we have some, um, I mean, we have uh, some really forward leaning people on the tech side who are following not, not just like AI development for know in in tech but you know in the application layer across departments too so we actually have a weekly all hands meeting with the company we've done it for like so long now but you know we still haven't even though we're like 30 plus people and then we have a section every week it was like how not to miss the ai train and then someone will like say a few words of what has happened the last week so i think that's also like a very good way of getting everyone engaged and making sure they feel on board with what's happening yeah, th this is powerful because people who are not jumping on the AI tray will be the ones not having internet and a web page <laughs> for like 20 years ago. Mm, for sure. Hi, my name is Thor Le Fyrozen. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Stravido. You know, in relation to the business and what's going on in the world, and uh, I think I, I will talk about something that I think a lot of people hear a lot about, uh, but I think hopefully there will be elements in what I say that add some level of value or some level of nuance. And I think at this point, I'm very excited about what's happening in the world of technology. Uh, I think there's a lot of talk about, I would say, the negatives and the fear around artificial intelligence. Uh, but really what I see is... Um, we are, I, I think we are at kind of like an iPhone uh, moment back past, but being in 2005. And the point of picking the year 2005 could be 2003 or four also, is that all the ingredients for smartphones as we know them today were there. The technology was there, the software was there, you know, the processors was there, everything was there, yet the iPhone had not happened yet. And it took a few years, you know, in 2005 didn't happen, six didn't happen, three, seven happened. And then eventually in 2008, it was launched. And it was actually launched as, you know, if you remember the, the introductory speech of Steve Jobs, he presented it as an iPhone, an iPad, an iPod, sorry. And then eventually said, well, actually, it's, it's not an iPod, it's, it's an iPhone. And I think that something big is going to happen in the next three to 10 years, probably three to five years, in terms of how we interact with data and how we interact with knowledge. So obviously, you know, being a founder of a, of a co-founder of a knowledge management solution, I think that we are about probably to see a change uh, in the interface we have in regards to unstructured data. Because I really believe that the biggest challenge we have with generative AI is finding the interface through which we as human beings, you know, with all our strengths and limitations, will have to actually interact with all that information. The power is there. It's the 2005 moment. A huge, huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes to keep on learning. Sorry.